The Autobiography of Madame Kion by Jean Kion, Volume 2, Chapter 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. I would willingly suppress what I am now about to write, if anything of it were my own, also on account of the difficulty of expressing myself, as because few souls are capable of understanding divine leadings, which are so little known and so little comprehended. I have myself never read of anything like it. I shall say something of the interior dispositions I was then in, and I shall think my time well employed, if it serves you who are willing to be of the number of my children. It serves such as already my children to induce them to let God glorify Himself in them after His manner and not after their own. If there be anything which they do not comprehend, let them die to themselves. They will find it much easier to learn by experience than from anything I could say. Expression never equals experience. After I had come out of the trying condition I have spoken of, I found it had purified my soul instead of blackening it, as I had feared. I possessed God after a manner so pure and so immense as nothing else could equal. In regard to thoughts or desires, all was so clean, so naked, so lost in the divinity, that the soul had no selfish movement, however plausible or delicate. Both the powers of the mind and the very senses, being wonderfully purified, sometimes I was surprised to find that there appeared not one selfish thought. The imagination, formerly so restless, now no more troubled me. I had no more perplexity or uneasy reflections. The will, being perfectly dead to all its own appetites, was become void of every human inclination, both natural and spiritual, and only inclined to whatever God pleased, and to whatever manner He pleased. This vastness or enlargedness, which is not bounded by anything, however plain or simple it may be, increases every day. My soul, in partaking of the qualities of her spouse, seems also to partake of his immensity. My prayer was in an openness and singleness inconceivable. I was, as it were, born up on high, 
out of myself. I believe God was pleased to bless me with this experience. At the beginning of the new life, He made me comprehend it. For the good of other souls, the simplicity and desirableness of this passage of the soul into God. When I went to confess, I felt such an immersion of the soul into Him that I could scarcely speak. This ascension of the Spirit, wherein God draws the soul so powerfully, not into its own inmost recess, but into Himself, is not operated till after the death of self. The soul actually comes out of itself to pass into its divine object. I call it death, that is to say, a passage from one thing to another. It is truly a happy Passover for the soul and its passage into the promised land. The spirit which is created to be united to its divine origin, has so powerful a tendency to him, that if it were not stopped by a continual miracle, its moving quality would cause the body to be drawn after it by reason of its impetuosity and noble ascent. But God has given it a terrestrial body to serve for a counterpoise. This spirit then, created to be united to its origin, without any medium or interstice, feeling itself drawn by its divine object, tends to it with an extreme violence, in such sort that God, suspending for some time the power which the body has to hold back the spirit, it follows with urgency. When it is not sufficiently purified to pass into God, it gradually returns to itself. As the body resumes its own quality, it turns to the earth. The saints who have been the most perfect have advanced to that degree as to have nothing of all this. Some have lost it toward the end of their lives, becoming single and pure as the others, because they then had in reality and permanence what they had at first only as transient fruitions in the time of the prevalence or, or dominion of the body. It is certain then that the soul, by death to itself passes into its divine object. This is what I then experienced. I found the farther I went, the more my spirit was lost in its sovereign, who attracted more and more to himself. He was pleased at first that I should know this for the sake of others and not for myself. Indeed, he drew my soul more and more into himself, till it lost itself entirely out of sight, and could perceive itself no more.
it seemed at first to pass into him as one sees a river pass into the ocean lose itself in it its water for a time distinguished from that of the sea till it gradually becomes transformed into the same sea and possesses all its qualities so was my soul lost in god who communicated to it his qualities having drawn it out of all that it had of its own its life is an inconceivable innocence not known or comprehended of those who are still shut up in themselves or only live for themselves the joy which such a soul possesses in its god is so great that it experiences the truth of those words of a royal prophet all they who are in thee o lord are like persons ravished with joy to such a soul the words of our lord seem to be addressed your joy no man shall take from you john sixteen verse twenty two it is as it were plunged in a river of peace its prayer is continual nothing can hinder it from praying to god or from loving him it humbly verifies these words in the canticles i sleep but my heart waketh for it finds that even sleep itself does not hinder it from praying oh unutterable happiness who could ever have thought that the soul which seemed to be in the utmost misery should ever find a happiness equal to this oh happy poverty happy loss happy nothingness which gives no less than god himself in his own immensity no more circumscribed to the limited manner of the creature but always drawing it out of that to plunge it wholly into his own divine essence then the soul knows that all the states of self-pleasing visions openings ecstasies and raptures are other obstacles that they do not serve this state which is far above them because the state which has supports has pain to lose them yet cannot arrive at this without such loss in these are verified the words of an experienced saint when i would says he possess nothing through self-love everything was given me without going after it oh happy dying of the grain of wheat which makes it produce a hundredfold the soul is then so passive so equally disposed to receive from the hand of god 
either good or evil, as is astonishing. It receives both the one and the other without any selfish emotions. Letting them flow and be lost as they come, they pass away as if they did not touch. After I finished my retreat with the Ursulines at Tunon, I returned through Geneva and, having found no other means of conveyance, the French resident lent me a horse. As I knew not how to ride, I made some difficulty of doing it, but as he assured me that it was a very quiet horse, I ventured to mount. There was a sort of a smith who, looking at me with a wild, haggard look, struck the horse blow on the back, just as I had got upon him, which made him give a leap. He threw me on the ground with such force that they thought I was killed. I fell on my temple. My cheekbone and two of my teeth were broken. I was supported by an invisible hand, and in a little time I mounted as well as I could on another horse, and had a man by my side to keep me up. My relations left me in peace at Gex. They had heard at Paris of my miraculous cure. It made a great noise there. Many persons in reputation for sanctity then wrote to me. I received letters from Mademoiselle de la Mongon and another young lady who was so moved with my answer that she sent me a hundred pistols for our house and let me know besides that when we wanted money I had only to write to her and that she will send me all I could desire. They talk in Paris of printing an account of the sacrifice I had made and inserting in it the miracle of my sudden recovery. I don't know what prevented but such is the inconstancy of the creature that this journey, which drew upon me at that time so much applause, has served for a pretext for the strange condemnation which has since passed upon me. End of chapter 4, volume 2